0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at quiz.fox.
1: If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It was during the pandemic yes. and, you know, I didn't leave home for 322 yes. days. <laughs> yeah, And so I was reading The Atlantic. And reading his column and being inspired and fortified by every week, every Thursday, there was another drop. And uh, had a conversation with him. And afterwards, I thought, wow, this is the kind of guy that if I was still doing the show, we would be calling him every day Mm -hmm. to be an expert on every subject. Then I invited him over for dinner. Best dinner guest ever. How bad? Because (laughs) you can probe his brain on happiness. And... I thought, you know, we should do something together. And so now we are. Wow. And that, just like that, Arthur Brooks has got a brand new book out with this woman named, how do you say the last name, Winfrey? Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> it's called Build the Life You Want, uh, the Art and Science of Getting Happier. Uh, Arthur, congratulations on the book. Thanks, Brian. Great to see you again. Great to see you. Yeah. I mean, you have not slowed down. You're doing a million things. Is that That's what she wrote about. Uh, that you just told me happened, but she also wrote about that in the book. If I had my show, Arthur Brooks would be on every week.
0: Yeah, and when she, in 25 years, one of the things that she did was she'd find people that she thought America needed to hear from, scientists, you know, all kinds of different people that could improve your life using different ideas. And she would have them on again and again and again to answer different kinds of questions, but she doesn't ever show anymore. So now when she finds something that she thinks is good for America – She'll introduce it in different ways, and that that was the genesis of this project. She read my stuff. she gave me a call. she and you said, "You wrote a
1: book about happiness, you teach a course about happiness. Yes,
0: I teach happiness at people I teach at the Harvard Business School, you know and, and people say, "Oh, yeah, marketing, finance, accounting, and I say, no, I teach happiness and they think I'm lying, but I'm not. It is a very oversubscribed <clears throat> class. It's about the science of happiness, in other words, how you can take your happiness as seriously as you right. take your finances, and that's what this book is about.
1: So you decide to take it to another level. For example, how do you define happy?
0: Happiness is generally – for my students and everybody else, the biggest problem they have is they don't understand what it is. They think it's feelings and it's not. Feelings are evidence of happiness. Happiness is – it's kind of like uh, you think about food, which has three macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates and fat. Happiness has three parts to it that you need to have in balance and abundance, enjoyment, satisfaction and purpose. Those are the three things. When I meet somebody for the first time at this point, look, I've been doing this work for years and years and years, I can tell where their deficits are in the same way that I can look at your macronutrient profile and say, Brian, man, you got to get your protein up. I can tell people, I can ask them very simple questions to see if they have enough purpose in their life, enough meaning. I can ask them about how they're trying to get satisfaction if they're in the wrong vein. And the biggest thing that I hear, especially from young people, people in their 20s, they think they're trying to enjoy their life and they're actually in pursuit of pleasure and pleasure and enjoyment are not the same thing. And so I can readjust their happiness diet. And, and that's what we talk about in the book is <clears throat> you, you can get happier if you have the knowledge and do the work.
1: The biggest, the biggest, um, excuse me, the biggest problem is purpose.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: what happened in the pandemic. People said, wait, I could go home. They'll pay me. And maybe my job is not that important. You know, Do I really want to be doing this? Right. You know, uh, and people have a lack of purpose and mission
0: they they do and and one of the problems in america we find that happiness has been in gradual decline for actually a long time since the early 1990s and and one of the biggest reasons is people feel like they have less meaning in their lives now the the institutions of meaning in our lives are pretty easy our faith Our family, our real friendships, not deal friends, real friends, and and, and serving other people through our work. But all these things are in decline. People are less likely to practice their faith. They're more likely to be estranged from their families. They have people that are useful to them, but they're not real friends anymore. And people, they think, you know, what's my work for? I don't know. I just earn my daily bread. And these are huge problems. So I actually have a little test that we can actually give the audience. Okay. I can give you this test. Want to to take the meaning test? Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to ask you two questions. And you have a meaning problem if you don't have real answers to these questions. But the good news is if you don't, then you know what to look for, okay? okay. Question number one, why are you alive?
1: Why am I alive? I, th- that's a good, I think it's a nonstop mission to find out yeah. your role here.
0: Yeah, and, and it's tricky, right? right? Right. It gets harder. Right. Second question, for what would you be willing to die today, Brian?
1: For what? I would say a family, country.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> now, I know people I would, are listening to I, this. I would
1: be I would willing to die. I mean, in a circumstance, if there was a, like a baby in the middle of a street, would I jump in front of the car yeah. and throw the kid out? I'd like to think yes. Yeah.
0: But you think about it. It's, it's very important to have these Questions front and center for a true sense of meaning. My, I have three adult kids. Uh, we, we have kids. We're, I mean, you're, you're a little younger than me, but, but we have grown-up kids.
1: I got 22, uh, 20, 22, and 26. Yeah, I have
0: 25, 23, and 20 are my kids. My 25 and 23-year-olds are both married. I'm a grandfather. Wow. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. But my
1: 23-year-old
0: <clears throat> is married. When he was in high school, he right. didn't have answers to those questions. I would ask him the question. He did. I, I don't know why I'm alive, I don't know, Dad. I don't know why I'm alive. He was miserable. So he, we, we put him on a mission. He didn't go to college. He he went and worked on a dryland wheat farm in Idaho to find the answers to the questions. And then he joined the Marines.
1: Wow.
0: He went through infantry training battalion, and then he went through the in-doc for the Scout Sniper program. He's a special ops Marine. And now I ask him those questions. Twenty three year old, married. His name is Carlos. Carlos, why are you alive? Because God made me to serve. For what are you willing to die? For my faith, for my family, for my fellow Marines, and for the United States of America. Right. Boom. I mean, it's like an immediate answer. And Sentuition. the result he's happy. And, and as soon as he had those answers, he, he married the woman he loved. He, and I said, you realize that you're going to be wearing that ring in your coffin, right? He's like, of course, of course. He's faithful to it. But this is super important that we have – and America is <clears throat> losing its sense of meaning because we don't have those answers.
1: You know, he, was key, he found out for himself. He didn't wait for his dad to tell him.
0: Totally. And and it, it wouldn't matter what I told him because I have my answers to those questions. Everybody, everybody listening to us has to have their answers to those questions. That's the material that Oprah and I put in this book. It's a very practical way to use the science to find the happiness that we all seek.
1: So – a lot of people – you say you find a lot of those answers in religion.
0: A lot, and, and, and not just religion, but it's faith writ large. Now, I have my faith. I'm a Roman Catholic. It's literally the most important thing in my life. I practice my faith. Has it faith. always been? And, and, well, you know, in my 20s, I was a slacker. But I, I grew up in a Christian family, and, and now you know, I'm in my 50s. I go to Mass every day. I pray with my wife every wow. day, every night. And part of the reason is because <clears throat> this is the way that you maintain a good marriage. The right. most intimate thing that you can do with your spouse – and I'm not going to say a bad thing – is to pray together. That's the literally the most intimate thing. What
1: makes you think that?
0: Because I actually see the data on that, and I see that that's what people are most embarrassed to do with their beloved pe- the people around them. Not every couple. Some people are going like, what? It's the easiest thing ever. No, I know lots of Christian couples and couples of other religions that don't pray together because it feels too weird. So this, if you want to have a more intimate relationship, that's it. But. If you practice something in faith or spirituality or philosophy or a sense of life's transcendence and mysticism that's not traditional religion, you can get a lot of the same benefit because it makes you small and the rest of the universe big and you need that perspective.
1: So if you want to take the time to get a mission with your life, Are you blowing up your importance too much?
0: Well, no, it actually isn't because you're looking for the things outside you that you're dedicating yourself to. What I recommend and what Oprah and I recommend in this book is that everybody write their own personal mission statement. Which is really important. For me, you know, I, I use science and ideas to lift people up and bring them together in bonds of happiness and love. And, you know, I have a company and I teach at the university and I have a lot of stuff going on, but it has an order of operations based on my mission. Everything I do has to follow this order. Glorify God, serve others. Have an adventure, make a living in that order. Right. Making making a living is last, and it's a very privileged thing I realize. But it's super important that we keep these ideas together. And all of that stuff has to do with things outside me. And so, when you look for your personal mission, you're looking for the things outside you that complete you. You're not just looking in the mirror.
1: Well, how did how long did it take you to get that criteria?
0: Uh, Well, it took me a long time. I've been studying happiness for 30 years. I mean, I I got my PhD in 1998 and I was dedicating myself to a lot of things that were around happiness. I wrote my first big happiness book in 2008, but it took me a long time to figure out how to use it in my life. You know, I was the president of the American Enterprise Institute before a think tank in Washington, D.C. That's where you and I met, you know, when I was doing that work. And, and, you know, I would think, uh, why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? And finally my wife said, don't you have a PhD? I mean, don't you study human behavior? Why don't you apply it to yourself? So I started using the happiness science to create right. a strategy for myself, and it worked so unbelievably well that I left my job. I went to teach it. But I you started.
1: had a very important job. That was a, it was a great a, job.
0: Yeah. It was a great job. I truly believe in it. The American Enterprise Institute dedicated to bringing the free enterprise system to people at every part of our society so they can have opportunity. I loved it. It was so good. But for my own life, I needed to share these ideas of the science of happiness with other people. That's, that was my life's work. And, and I didn't figure that out until I actually applied the theories to good old me. And that's what we're doing in the book is everybody can have this information that I share with my students at Harvard.
1: So what year did you leave AEI?
0: 2019.
1: So were you not happy leading up to that? Did you have moments where you were happy?
0: I, for sure, like we all do. Life is a series of moments, and we have to understand that happiness is not the ultimate goal because you can't be constantly happy this side of heaven. You need <clears> bad <throat> feelings. You need negative emotions. They keep literally keep you alive. You need negative experience to learn and grow, but you can get happier with the right information.
1: So the word happy is almost misdefined because you always hear this with sports. You know, Let the kids play yeah. if they're happy. If it's not fun, don't yeah. do it. A part of fun and happiness is having a mission. Yeah. And as you do that, you're going to win, you're going to lose. Why are you doing it? Do you know you're upset because I, you know, I lost today, but I'm, I can't wait to get back and do it again. Are you pursuing happiness? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pursuing yeah. it. Do you think that Thomas Jefferson knew the definition when he put it in the Declaration of Independence?
0: He was talking about how we would actually pursue a life fully alive on our own terms. That's really what he meant. And so when, when Thomas Jefferson talked about it, he actually – was taking that he almost certainly took was taking dictation from Benjamin Franklin. That was a Benjamin Franklin idea, the pursuit of happiness. And what that really was was He did not, a lot of dictation. Yeah, man. yeah, I know. He, he kind of cribbed most of the the most of the the the, yeah. the, the declaration from <clears throat> Virginia Declaration of Rights. And that part about happiness, he was probably listening to Thomas to Benjamin Franklin. And what they were talking about was to democratize the idea that you could set up your life as you see fit and you could pursue it even if you're riffraff which is like the Kilmeads and the Brookses were not like some landed gentry. They were right. not like on the boat coming over going, hey, can't wait to get a better country of more plentiful income redistribution. No, it was right. better in Ireland with Kilmeads, right? <laughs> right. Kilmeades, right? right. And, and so, but this is the yeah. thing. And what they were promising was you get here – play by the rules, work hard, personal responsibility, figure out what happiness means for you, man. And this is the place where you can pursue it. And that's what we all still need to do. It's such a beautiful thing when we understand it.
1: When you talk to your elite students to get yeah. in there, you would assume unless someone make, made up a sports scholarship that they didn't have. Uh, do they, are they curious? As curious as this, do, do you find that kids who have a lot, most likely either huge brains or big wallets, Uh, Are they more, or both, are they more apt to understand this?
0: No, 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 no. It's because this stuff doesn't come naturally. Mother nature doesn't care if we're happy. Mother nature has two goals for us, to survive and pass on your genes. We always think, oh, yeah, you know, if it feels good, do it. Like the hippies used to say at Woodstock. That's that's the way to ruin your life. My dad, I remember hearing that from hippies saying that when I was a little kid. He's like, that's the end of America. Right. (laughs) He was kind of right. I mean, it was, I mean, really? The truth of the matter is that you need to actually take the divine path, not the animal path in your life. You need to understand what's going on. You need to create a structure for your life. Look, your life is the only startup that really matters. You, Inc., and you need right. to be the entrepreneur, and you got to do hard things and easy things and beautiful things and fun things and things that actually create pain, and then you'll be on the path that to- Happier-ness.
1: So Arthur Brooks is in studio. He wrote a book with Oprah Winfrey. It's called Build a Life You Want, The Art and Science of Getting Happier. More with Arthur in just a moment. The book's out this week, right?
0: Uh, last Tuesday. It's, yeah, it's right. It's, 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 rocky, it's on yeah. sale, man. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure this is built to win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping so. I mean, it's doing, it's doing unbelievably well. Back in a moment.
1: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. You don't have any happiness uh, sound bites, Eric, to bump in with? You don't? Okay. Uh, we are back. Uh, Arthur Brooks is here. He and Oprah Winfrey wrote this book. It's number one in the country, right?
0: Yeah. Right now and it is. Yeah.
1: It's called uh, Build the Life You Want, uh, The Art and Science of Getting Happier. During the pandemic, Oprah reached out because he, she was reading your column. Yeah. And said, I got to meet this guy. And you thought, what, when she called?
0: Yeah. She said, you know, this is Oprah Winfrey. And I said, yeah, this is Batman. I mean, <laughs> no way. Uh, right. But it was the voice. And and it's great because you know when you, I write I a column every Thursday morning in the Atlantic called How to Build a Life. It's about happiness yeah. and the science of happiness, and it has a half a million readers, sometimes a million readers, depending. You know, I've got a lot of a lot of people who read the column. You don't know who, you never know if it's Oprah Winfrey reading your column. You don't know, and then and it's incredibly gratifying that you can touch a lot of people in different walks of life, and she has an opportunity. In her career, because she's so well-known and she's so well-respected and people listen to her that when she talks about something, it makes people interested in it. So she uses a lot of her platform to, uh, to, to direct people's attention to right. beautiful things that they can use. And, <clears throat> and this was, in her opinion, something that people needed to know more about. And
1: also she's an example of someone with, with anything but a perfect upbringing. A yeah. lot of people listening yeah. to us right now say, well, if you had my background, if you yeah. had my stress, right. uh, you, would, you, know, uh, you would not be happy.
0: Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, the whole idea is that you know, it's the most amazing thing, and people say, "Well, yeah, Oprah Winfrey. Of course, she can write about happiness. She's that's a billionaire." But that's it's insanity. That's actually not true at all. I mean, it's I've met a lot of people of great net worth, and they're not, they're actually not happier. No, I get it. If you're really poor and and very and struggling to make the rent, you can't get adequate health care. Those are unbelievable sources of anxiety. But you know, most of the people listening to us, they're paying the rent, they're getting three squares, and the truth is, they're a lot of them are a lot happier than billionaires. Part of the reason is because they're doing a lot of things right in their lives and their faith and their family and their friendships and in their communities and all the things that you need because happiness is not money, happiness is love.
1: But I think when you say to yourself, how do I make myself happy? Sometimes it comes off as egotistical. Well, you know excuse me, why are you so important that you have to be happy?
0: Yeah, no, you know, yeah. and
1: doesn't that work against what you're trying to say?
0: Yeah, and it, that's one of the things we talk about in the book. If a lot of people who think I want to be happy, I want to attain ultimate happiness to begin with, you won't. It can't happen on this side of heaven. It just doesn't because what you need is to get happier. You need bad feelings, but you need to understand them, manage them, learn from them, and grow from them. That's really part of a, of a fulfilling life. It's what you're talking about when your kids are in sports. I don't want my kids to win every game. I want my kids to, my, my daughter's a, a collegiate rugby player. Wow. Yeah, yeah. She's four foot 11 in mm-hmm. heels. I mean, 100 pounds soaking wet. It's unbelievable. She's very fast is, you know, what is the way it wet. But, you know, I don't want my daughter to be, you know, to win every single game because she wouldn't have a full life right. experience. The truth is one of the biggest mistakes that, that young people make today is they're, the, they're sort of the anti-hippies. The hippies were, if it feels good, do it. For a lot of young people today, if it, if it feels bad, make it stop. If it, if I'm suffering in any way, treat it. Something's wrong with me if I'm feeling pain. No, that's completely wrong. If you're in your 20s and you're not depressed and anxious, something's wrong with you.
1: All right, I'll take a step back. You're, you're deep. Why is it that almost everybody you talk to feels great helping somebody?
0: Yeah, the reason is because when you help somebody else, you open up your soul to love. That's what you're doing. Happiness is love, and the way that you get love is by giving it. That's the truth. Now we're not evolved. Once again, to be happy, we're evolved to pass on our genes and to survive. And so the things that we do to help other people, they don't always come naturally. But that's the hack. That's the glitch in, the, in Mother Nature's matrix. If you immediately, right now, it's like it's funny. I was doing a show the other day, and and you know, a member of the audience said, you know, I don't like my job, and it's making me unhappy. It's a boring job, and I think it's trivial. I sit in a cubicle all day long. What should I do? And I said, here's the answer. When you feel that get up look at the person in the next cubicle go to the break room and bring that person bring her a fresh cup of coffee even though she didn't ask for it and look at the look at the, the the smile that actually forms on her face and then start doing that a couple of times every day and then you'll become a different person you'll become that guy in the office that's always just for no reason doing nice things for people and and in a month you'll say
1: I like my job better. I don't know why. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do you also take action, right? Absolutely. It's yeah, all about if you're not action. Happy, take action. One action would be buy the book. That's <laughs> like one thing
0: it. to do. We wrote it for, it's our, it's our expression of love and we wrote it for everybody who wants it. Listen,
1: we all can't get in to take your class. This is the best thing. The art and science of getting happier, build the life you want. Arthur Brooks, thanks so much. And Oprah, thank you too, wherever you are.
0: Thank you.